Welcome to the Freedom Chasers podcast, where we bring you interviews and discussions that share the stories, successes, goals, and dreams of real estate agents and real estate investors pursuing a life of purpose and freedom. All right. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the show. Today, we are here with Austin Linney. I'm super pumped to have you here. Austin is a real estate investor. He is a mindset coach. We were just talking about all these businesses that he's acquiring. We are super stoked to talk with you, Austin. Um, we'd love to kick it off with a story, man. Can you tell us one of the craziest real estate transactions or experiences that you've had so far? So when I was first starting out, it took me seven and a half years to buy my first property. So I was a, I was a bartender. And uh, when I was 17, my, uh, I hated school. I have a photographic memory, but I couldn't. I, I dropped out of college three times. Like, I just can't. School's not my bag. And uh, a friend's dad, who had owned a couple businesses, handed me Rich Dad Poor Dad. And he was like, hey, you're different. Read this. And I read it in like three days and reported back to him and like changed my life because my dad was a doctor. And um, but it never really took like I had a you know, we'll get into my story, but I had a drug addiction. I was homeless in my in my 20s, addicted to meth and cocaine. And then I was a, a functioning alcoholic for, for 20 plus years. And so, you know, I kept I always tell this story. I, w I was buying in northern Austin, like back in the day when I could get um, like a two story, five bedroom, three bath for like one hundred and twenty five thousand. And I couldn't close the deal. That house right now would be worth like. 900 grand. Right. Uh, yeah. But, uh, but so we finally buy a house in San Antonio and, and we bought the house and, um, I started renting out the room with an air mattress on Airbnb. And then I had got wind. So my neighborhood was a changing neighborhood in San Antonio. Like when I was there, I saw what happened to Austin and it, it had the same feeling. We were seven blocks from downtown, but it was rough and nobody lived in the house next door. And I was like, man, that's really odd. But my neighbor across the street, who was this sneaky architect, and I really didn't like the guy. I didn't trust him. He would scoop up properties left and right because he had money. And so you would always try, we'd always try, we had a little game going on to see who could get the properties. And I had caught wind from my neighbor that they were thinking about selling across the street. But this, you had to do everything like super secretly. And, um, and I called him and I said, hey, man, you know, are you like, are you, are you, are you ready to sell? And he's like, he's like, man, he's like, look, I want to, but we're having some family issues right now. And it's just not the right time. I said, but look, know that I called you first. I was like, I called you first. Remember if you ever decide. And so, you know, months go past, months go past. And I go, I'm in Europe on a one-way trip. And we had bought, a, we had went under contract on a, my second property the day before I left for Europe on a one-way trip. So it was like, oh, that's just great. Mm -hmm. Um, so I literally fly back. I took out a loan, a personal loan to pay off Europe. And I was like, oh, I'm just going to pay that off with my job. It's no big deal. And I'm literally like unpacking my bags and the guy across the street calls. And he's like, hey, we're here. Do you want to walk over? And I'm like, fucking son of a... I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, okay, okay. So like I put my bags down and we walk over there and he shows me around, right? And his family had owned it for like 50 years. And by the way, just so we're clear, I bought my house across the street for 130 and it had already gone up to like 280 in like a year and a half. Like it was like, it was flying, right? And so we walked the house, it's like 900 square feet, huge lot. All the lots in the area were zoned RM4, so four dwellings. And so I didn't say, I learned from my mom, she's from the country. I don't, I don't never put a price out there. 
And so I'm walking and he's like, hey, he's I'm like, what do you got to have for it? And he's like, it's got to have a five in front of it. And I'm like, what? What do you mean it's got to have a five in front of it? He's like, yeah. He's like, I'll take 52,000. And I just... <clears throat> And my 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 ex wife at the time goes, you have a terrible poker face. Get out of this house right now. And so like I, I literally like shot out the side door and like kept collecting myself. And I was like, okay, sounds good. He's like, here's the deal: if I sniff an agent, I'm not selling to you. I hate agents. So figure it out. <laughs> so here I am. He tells me fifty two thousand. I got this little money. I got. I got this other house that I'm launching on Airbnb and I'm like, what do I do? And I know where the market is. I know this property. I'm like, I, you have to figure this out. And so I called my uh, father-in-law at the time and I said, Hey, you remember that time when I told you that I saved, send the money, just send the money and don't ask questions. I was like, this is one of those opportunities. Please send the money. <laughs> and so long story short, we got a loan on it. I put up my 20,000. We bought it for 52. Um, but here's how it went down. He didn't want an agent. I didn't know what a contract was or how to do it right. So I gave my buddy, who's an agent in the area, investor, gave him a bottle of whiskey to make sure I had everything like dotted right. And it was. I took the earnest money. I took it to title. Like I did it all myself without an agent. And uh, we wound up taking way too long on the project. Like we fired like three contractors. My father-in-law at the time was a, he's an engineer. So there was a lot of chiefs on the project. Uh, he had his way. He wanted to do it. It was a nightmare. It took like nine months. I, I, I just started doing dump runs because I didn't want to question anybody anymore because he was like hard to deal with. But we rebuilt mm. we rebuilt the front of the house. We rebuilt the kitchen. And I noticed there was a gap in the market uh, for two bedroom Airbnbs. Everybody was like a three, two. And I said, w would this rent out if we just did like two full beds and a queen bed? Still had the original wood floors. Great lot. Close to downtown. And so our bills on that property, all in, this we're talking electric, everything, was 660, 660. I had 20 grand in the house, and that property did 2,800 to 4,000 every month. Jeez. Every month. We were slaying it. It was the best, best Airbnb I had to this day. So we had a total, we bought a 52, we put 52 in. And in two years, I sold that property at the highest per square foot for 190000 and cleaned wow. out. Yeah. So it was the best deal I ever did. This is why I argue with people that you're showing me a seven-bedroom house in San Diego, which, by the way, I ran seven of them in San Diego. And you're saying that house has to be better than this little 900 square foot in Texas. Nope. Airbnb. Not all houses are made equal. What's your nut? Yeah. What's your nut on the property? Where did you buy it? That's why I believe that the burr into Airbnb is the best strategy that exists in real estate. Yeah, amazing, which I wanna dive into, but I wanna backtrack just a little bit here. So one thing I'm extremely curious about is send the money. So <laughs> essentially, I know it's your father-in-law, yeah. but- No, but, but, he didn't, but he wasn't an investor. He, this is not he, what he did. He was exactly. broke his whole life. So like, this was not an easy. So, so how did you set that relationship up? How did you set the conversations up? What did you do for him? You know, did you like, how well, did you build it? So you had the right to say, send the money. Well, what was great is my, my brother-in-law at the time, I had got them into Airbnb. So he was a doctor in the area. They went a different route and they were living in South San Antonio and they started buying luxury properties where developments were going to go and they started slaying it on Airbnb. And so the family always came to San Antonio and we always played golf and my brother-in-law be out there 
talking about how much damn money they made. And my father was like, my father was like, wait, I worked my whole life and, and you're making more money than I'm, this is ridiculous. And so they wanted to get in. And what happened was, is I had a property, same scenario, home run deal. And he balked at it. He balked wow. at it. And then I showed him what that house was worth. And he was so mad that the next time I asked, he just went for it. He was like, I don't care. He was Beautiful. Like, hey, I don't care. And we made, we made, we, we made great. You know, we really, and, and I'll be honest with you hundred percent. This was not by, this is, I didn't do this on purpose. I sold, I sold two weeks before COVID. So like we sold property with the toilet paper in it, turnkey. I even built the Airbnb listing for the new owner. <laughs> like, don't get me wrong. They got a great property. We made some money. Everything was good. Um, but I'll tell you what, and I, and I mean this wholeheartedly to anybody that's a new investor out there. The money doesn't matter. The confidence, right? The confidence to go from I bought it, I found it, I remodeled it, I Airbnb'd it to I sold it. You can't put a price tag on that confidence. Because understanding that in my first three deals, by the way, I've sold all my first three deals. One, not on purpose, from a divorce. Uh, so I sold that one. But all I did the math. Uh, a, a couple years ago, on all three of my properties that I bought, my first three real estate deals, I created like four hundred and fifty thousand dollars worth of equity. Jeez! And so, and so, we made out on all these. That money is ridiculous. It doesn't matter. I split it with somebody. My ex-wife got most of it. It doesn't. It, it doesn't <laughs> right. matter. The, now I'm doing thirty million dollar hotel deals, twenty million dollar hotel deals because of that $52,000 property that I bought because the confidence of going start to finish full execution. I truly believe this guys. This is my hundred percent belief. I coach real estate people all day. You're not seeking more knowledge. You're seeking the comfortableness of living in the emotion of the deal. That's Ooh. where people get twisted. Yeah. It's not the knowledge you've, you've read the books. You listen to bigger pockets. You don't have the emotional capacity when that deal is slamming up against your face. To mess yeah. with you. I mean, right now, dude, we're we're working on a deal, and I'll be honest with you, it's the most creative deal I've ever done in my life, and I don't even know if it's going to work. But the exit on this could be almost five to seven million. Whoa! Like, okay, and we're and we're not even going to do anything, right? But so, it's just so, like a, so. Let's yeah. let's dive into that, but not yet. So, okay. what I'm I'm crazy curious about that. Mm -hmm. but what I'm like insanely fascinated by is photographic memory. Mm -hmm. Obviously, you're a brilliant dude, and education Thank system. You. I don't is... know if anybody's ever said that, but yes. Okay. Well, well, I mean, well, it's, it, it appears well, it's this way. Enough. We've known so, each other for a very small period so, of time. So, so my memory is so good. This is this is crazy, and this is we're going to freak y'all out. My memory is so good. In two and a half years, I've done 800 podcasts between my two podcasts and ones I've been on. I can recall almost the words and the conversations of every one of those. Whoa. So like, let's say, I, let's say I have nine podcasts, right? And I, I used to do nine of the day. My, my fiance goes, you have no notes. Where are your fucking notes on the nine people you're interviewing today? I'm like, quiz me, quiz me. Dang. Chris Grinzik, he lives in Jacksonville. He only invests in B properties. Plus he only invests in 40 units to hundred units. He likes this return. I know it all for heart because here's what happened to me. You know what I hate? I hate being asked to do stuff. I have yeah. this like innate thing, like in my job, if I'm doing my job 
don't tell me to do something I'm already doing. I can't like, it's like literally my skin is like crawling thinking about. So what I used to do at work when I was a bartender is I used to memorize what everybody in the restaurant did. And what I mean by did, I mean like who went to church on Wednesdays, who had dance class on Tuesday, who had baseball this day. Because if I wanted a day off, I want to go directly to the person that's going to say yes. And what I didn't realize is that's a really good <laughs> skill <laughs> to have when you're networking. Insanely. Like when, I, when I put on Git, when I put on events, my buddy's like, hey, you just so we're clear, I have no idea what these people do. And you literally know what everybody in this group does. And it's like, and so there is something to be said for that. But, but where I... A lot of my issues uh, came around to, okay, dude, you got you got the skills, you you know the people, but something's holding you back, and it's it's obviously your belief and who you think you are as a person, but really it was alcohol, like it was it was it was alcohol because it was numbing who I was chosen to be, and the road from getting sober and losing eighty pounds was bumpy. And there was rebuilding of the mind. There was 4 a.m. I, I remember this story like it was yesterday. 4 a.m., 50-degree weather on a soccer field, running seven miles, screaming, imagine dragons at the top of my fucking lungs. Like, just over and over again, trying to rebuild this, like, hurt person that was, like, in there over and over again. And I can't tell you how many people I meet. It just happened this morning. Who's 50 years old? who's been working for somebody their whole life and they're going, this is it. Is this it? This, this is the twilight of my career. And this is what I have to look forward to. And I said, I said, your daughter's about to go to college. You have a, another daughter who's 13. I said, what would you have paid if you could have bought a property for both of them when they were born and you had that now to give them? He goes, I'll give up everything. And these are the steps that when people get out of their own way, right? When they, when they, when they, when they realize that it's not about the real estate, the real estate is a byproduct. And to be honest with you, it's pretty easy. I mean, yeah. like, I, I'm not going to lie to you. Like, Hey, the, the property rents for a thousand bucks, buy it for a hundred thousand. It's really, it's, right. it's not really more complicated than that. 1% rule. But we make it complicated because we choose not to look in the areas that we need to look, which is the mind. So speaking of the mind, like I was a math teacher, so I was in the school system. Okay. So I'm like intensely curious. And I have a similar mm -hmm. story in the sense that I was bored as all get out during school. Mm -hmm. And so I generally got like three low three point GPA in high school mm -hmm. and then coasted through college, got tons of C's, didn't really care. And mm -hmm. then really found my passion learning outside of the school system. So can mm -hmm. you walk through, like, I don't have a photographic memory, although my memory mm -hmm. is really good in mm -hmm. specific areas. Um, and so can you walk us through, because like, I think there's a lot of people out there like you and I, you're mm -hmm. like, I think a more extreme version of myself. Like, how was it that you went on this journey? Because I think there's a lot of people out there that have abilities like you that aren't putting them to use. And maybe they feel like because they didn't do well in the school system, they're, they're damaged goods or whatever. My message is... is to start here, this is the, that's just starting. Everything, and I mean everything, I'm talking 130% of what they shit on me for in high school is everything they champion me for now. Ah, you're, you're, you're super communicative. You're, you have a lot of energy. You're excitable. You're smart. Was they said, 
be quiet, learn this stupid thing that doesn't matter, sit still. But yet now, wow, Austin, you can really control the room. You can, you can get anybody to like you, you know, or things. So my question to you is, who are you going to believe? What you know to be true or what they've told you your whole life? It's as simple as that. And the problem is that we're walking around believing what other people think about us like it freaking matters. It doesn't matter. And I'm going to let you in on a, the even biggest secret in the world. Nobody gives a shit about you. Trust me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and if, if, if my last 90 days can prove to you that people will screw you over left and right, no matter how long you've worked with them, I've had the craziest effed up 90 days of my entire life. People I worked with for two and a half years just stick it right in the back of my head. But what it taught me was you need to own what you're doing and you need to make sure that you're you're caring about what you have going on and make sure that you're taken care of. And 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 don't I'm not saying don't not not I'm saying don't take people at their word. I'm just saying make sure that you're taken care of because they're worried about themselves too. And so what I run into 90% of the time is that everybody in this world to get by, they're people pleasers. I'm going to do enough to not ruffle the feathers so my world can be safe and secure. And you know what I like doing? I like ruffling some feathers. I like shaking some trees. I like saying, is there a place where you could be better? And so here's my new definition of success. Buckle up, boys, because my my client almost fell out of his chair because he's like, I didn't expect you to say that. I only have one definition for success moving forward for myself and my clients and anybody that I'm around. Are you willing to look in the areas that you don't want to look? I'll say it again. Are you willing to look in the areas that you're... So, so what a lot of people do, especially type A's and people that can make money, they out-earn their feelings. They out earn their deficiencies, right? And so I'm going to go make a bunch of money because I don't want to pay attention to the bookkeeping or I don't want to care what kind of dad I am. And I, I don't care if my business is actually profitable because I'm going to go out earn that or I'm going to go out and invest that. Or I'm not going to worry about my health until I get to this money amount. And I'm just going to put that over there in that box. And then you make a million dollars and you don't have your health. What's the point? A hundred percent. Yeah. I have a, a great buddy that lives locally. It's very, very, very successful. And one thing that he says, I love the way he puts it is essentially like the person that got you from, you know, where you started to where you are now is not the person that's usually going to be able to take you to where you want to go. I think it's kind of to what you're saying is like every step of the, of the journey, you progressively, the challenges get harder and they get different. And the weaknesses that could exist in your past challenges cannot exist anymore if you're going to be now leading people or diving into bigger deals because that's that's just not going to fly do, do you want to know what i've avoided for like years i mean years guys i don't know if you've ever bought a business before but it is extremely complex <laughs> i mean it is and i'm not i hate spreadsheets like can't stand them. profit and loss statements Oh my God. I'd rather mow a hundred acres like by, with my feet, you know, it's not my, it's not my bag, but I had a mentor tell me if you could fill this gap in your game enough to be serviceable, to know if it's a deal or not, he's like game over, Yeah, game over. And so I made a choice. And by the way, just so we're clear, my mentor has worked in hedge funds for 20 years. She's a freaking savage. And she goes, Austin, your due diligence on this project. She goes, I thought I was having a bad day because I couldn't find anything wrong with it. And she goes, I always find something wrong with it. And I'm like, that right there? Like, because 
I get excited, guys. I don't know if you know this about me, but I get really fired up and I'm like, hey, let's go do this deal and this deal and I want to buy this. But I haven't asked the proper questions to present the deal to the people that need to make the decision the right way. And yeah. a lot of people that are wholesaling, they do the same thing. You know, here's a $30 million property. Well, can I get some details on it? Like, yeah. would that be okay? And then they, they ask you 30 minutes later, hey, do you have a decision? I'm like, I have 15 meetings a day. When would you like me to have this decision for you? Like, uh, I need right. five seconds. You know, but, 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 but my question to you is you in life, you as a person, are you a frictionless person to be friends with, to do business with? Have you set the next person up for success? You know, I have a lot of friends in the multifamily space to use as a reference for life. They don't remodel all the units. They only remodel 50%. Why do they do that? So there's something on the bone for the next person. Totally. The guy's business I'm buying, I'm actually going to pay him more money for his business. What? What? I might pay him double than what we're paying him right now. Why would you do that, Austin? Because I need him as an advisor. Yep. As I grow this property this, this company across the franchises, and he wants to give half of the money he's making to the employees that have been with him for 10 years. I can mm. get behind that too. Totally. So how do we get them more money? And so I'm actually going to say, I'm going to, I might pay you double than what I'm paying you for the business. If you stay on and work with me as a consultant, you know, one day a week and help me grow it. It's not the best lesson I ever learned in life from a guy who runs a billion dollar hedge fund. Not every dollar is created equal. Interesting. Yeah, go deeper on that. Understand the reason what that dollar needs to do. And I'll use a simple story just to highlight this. When I first started getting Airbnb, like I would Airbnb my dog. Like, dude, I would Airbnb the car. I sleep in the car. Like, I didn't care. I slept on an air mattress. Like, I just wanted it rented out all the time. And so he came to me, and he had four luxury townhomes that were going to be in downtown San Antonio. And I could have netted him. 4,500 a month net each house. And he told me no. And I was like, I don't, I don't, I don't, what? Please explain to me this. He goes, Austin, I have a billion dollar portfolio. We're doing 200 flips at a time. I've got five hotel projects. You know what I need? I need leases so I can refinance these properties so I can get more money to do more work. So your extra cash doesn't do anything for me. Yeah. And that's when I was like, okay, so there's different levels to this and you got to really ask the right questions of why this matters and what this is. And it's not just about that high number of cash. Everyone who listens to our show knows Tim and I are passionate about obtaining financial freedom through real estate investing. We also know that everyone's situations and goals are different. And while there are programs out there that show you a path to financial freedom, many of these programs are just too cookie cutter and don't take your personality, situation, and desired outcome into account. Think about the number of times that you've watched a guru online and tried to do the exact same thing as they did, but had nowhere near the same results. You are not alone. When I got started, I was continually paying for courses and getting only partial results until I discovered the path that made sense for me. The results prove this out. Most online course creators have let us in on their dirty secrets that 90 to 95% of their students never complete their course and achieve their desired outcome. This is not something that we're okay with. The benefit of working with Tim and I is that we are interviewing between 5 and 20 people every single week. We have accumulated hundreds of seven-figure strategies and gotten inside scoop from these successful entrepreneurs. We're able to work with you to pick the strategy that will best fit and then help you create the custom plan to take you quickly into financial freedom. As a former math teacher, I always taught my students that the fastest way between two points is a straight line. 
If you want to get rid of the many curves in the road that can make the journey longer and more costly, then go to coaching.freedomchaserspodcast.com and book a call with us. And let's get you on a straight line path to freedom. 100%. Yeah, some people are looking for cash flow. Some people are looking for equity, all different stages of the journey. I want to go back to you talked, I mean, I asked the question about the high school experience. I want to go deeper on that in the sense that did you always have a confidence in yourself despite what people were saying or did the comments towards you affect you? Like, how did you transition from this world where you're being told you're a terrible student, all of these negative things? I mean, you, you talked a little bit about developing some confidence by doing a couple of deals in the real estate space, but how did you go from being kind of crapped on as a person in high school to finding yourself in a confident sense in business? Well, I mean, in essence, I did. Uh, my parents got divorced at 17. Uh, I blamed myself for the divorce. I went from 4,200 kids in my school to 100. I moved from one of the richest areas in Houston to the country, and they taught me how to use drugs, and they taught me how to self-soothe. And um, I worked in the restaurant business. I made good money in that business. So I got a little confidence from that. Um, and I just hung around lower people like people that weren't you know striving and i and i kind of adopted that i did identity like this is but deep down there was always something like that was going to go good but when i um i i had stayed up for eight days straight um i didn't eat i took 40 xanax to go to bed uh, i lost like 26 pounds and uh my ex-girlfriend saw me and she was like dude you look like shit like this isn't you get better and that's when i left and i went to austin and i cut the hard drugs out but i continued to drink and long story short i, I wrecked my car uh you know got sent back home still kept partying and then my mom uh kicked me out she threw my my shit on the the curb my dad cut off my credit cards and uh you know i cried for like three hours and one of my best friends was like, okay, you got that out of the way. What the hell are you going to do? And I was like, I don't know. I don't have a car. I don't have anything. Yeah. So let me get some specifics here. Sure. So you said you stayed up for eight days straight. Yeah. So I'm assuming that was methamphetamine use. Correct. Mm -hmm. Okay. <laughs> and then you said you took like 40 Xanaxes. Are you talking yeah. like bars? Yeah. Two 100%. grams of Xanaxes? Yeah. So you took and, like 80 grams of Xanax. Yeah. And that so is like... That would kill most people. And so you're, <laughs> and, and, and so understand that you're not eating, and you're you're fighting yeah. the ups and the downs. And so let's just say this: the last two days, there was a bunch of rabbits everywhere, and but there wasn't really rabbits. Oh. <laughs> so you're well, like, no, I get it. I understand. Yeah, not yeah. not me personally, but yeah, I, no, but you're, I have family yeah, members. You're hallucinating, <laughs> right? And you're just like, and you're just like, you know, you're just drifting, you know, further and further down, mm -hmm. right? And, uh, mm -hmm. you know, the scary thing is, and, and, I, and I really hope this doesn't like turn anybody off, but like the, the speed was like the only time I felt normal, like, because I actually, you know, needed uh, Adderall and that stuff in, in high school to like focus. Right. So it actually like focused me up if you have like high attention deficit disorder, which I do. And so a lot of people mm -hmm. that haven't taken it don't understand that. Um, and so, um, long story short. Uh, to finish off that story, I got a job uh, laying brick and tile in Texas and he picked me up at 5 a.m. and he would drop me off at six o'clock at night and I had nowhere to live. And so my buddy was like, look, I'm living at my brother's house. There's nowhere for you to live. I, I, I literally lived 
underneath the closet, the stairs in a closet. Like I lived in that little like hundred square foot room and I had a bag of clothes and, and mind you, six months prior, I was at a country club on, on the golf course in a, in a massive house living next to Kevin Garnett. And, uh, and so I literally lived off ramen noodles and ham sandwiches and, and lived in that closet and worked till I saved up enough money to buy my grandmother's old Explorer, get my bartending job back, so on and so on. And so that was kind of one of my big rock bottom moments, but, you know, continue to still drink from there. Um, and I think that the confidence one of my favorite quotes in the entire world is a good friend of mine who said that sometimes you don't love yourself enough to change, but you have to borrow the belief that others have in you long enough to believe it in yourself. And for me, that was when I joined my first mastermind. And these like dudes that were like super accomplished had 30, 100, you know, 1,000 units. They were like, hey, kid, your energy is all over the place but there's something there. Like there's something there. Like you just keep doing you cause you're providing value. You know, you're dumping value into us. Your, your mind's working sharp. And that's, I was still drinking at the time. But then I met these two guys that I started a business with that were sober. And it was the first time I hung out with dudes that were sober. And they were like, if you ever thought about it, like you should totally try it. And, uh, and I tried and I failed and then I tried again. And, and here we are. And, uh, you know, that business failed massively. <laughs> like I lost like 30 grand, <laughs> but I told them, and actually funny enough, I just told my ex-business partner like two days ago, I would, I would gladly pay the 30 K again because being around you sure. and getting sober changed my entire life. And so who cares what the business did? Okay. So let's dive deeper into that. What about being around them? got you sober? Was it their attitude? Was it the way they worked? Um, was it combined with like an Alcoholics Anonymous or something like that? Or, or just kind of give me an idea how that process went through. I mean, it sounds crazy to say. It's the first time I've been around two people that were successful that didn't drink. I mean, I know that sounds like an insane statement, but it was like, I'm serious. Like it was, I do. I grew up in the hospitality business. This shit was fucking wild as shit, dude. We were drinking every day. I made drinks. That's what we did. I sold wine. So to be around two guys that I respected who they were as people and they were nine months and 13 months sober. And they were like, you can do this. And, um, I had a, um, so I was scrolling. So I used to stay up like really late, especially when I was trying to get sober. Like I would like, I barely sleep. I just work all the time. Like I, I dude, I worked a hundred hours a week for like years and I was listening to Gary V like one in the AM. And uh, I saw this thing come across my Instagram and it was this guy that I'd been following for a while who was a real estate guy. And he said, look, by the way, he's a very expensive coach. So he was like, look, I'm going to do this just because I want to. He's like two sessions for 750. One person gets it, whoever gets it. And I was like, man, I don't have that kind of, you know, I, I don't have that money to burn right now. And then I sat with it for like an hour and I was like, you know what? Like, fuck it. I was like, screw it. I was like, I'm just going to put on a credit card. And so I texted him, I got the slot, we coached the first time, but like the second time we coached at the end, in the last five minutes, he asked me a question. And he said, if you were in a room 10 years from now with a group of billionaires and you deserve to be there, what's the one thing holding you back? And without thinking, my subconscious said, alcohol. And that was the seed of like, hey, you can do this. Like, 
figure this out. And then that kind of like started the journey. And there's obviously some other things down the road. But for me, I just, I never worried about the metrics of it. Like how many days I was sober or anything like that. I always was chasing a feeling. So like this feeling's really good. Why would I ever go back from this? Let's just keep moving forward to that. And when I went on my vacation for the first time and didn't drink for 10 days, that was my Mount Everest. Cause like I associated like celebrating and vacationing with boozing. And so to do that for me, was like, I finally got over the mountain. I was like, you can, you can, you can do this, man. Like you can finally do that. And I know it sounds like ridiculous, but like, think about it. Like, how do you celebrate without boozing? Like it's so ingrained in like the society. So, so yeah, man, it's been a long journey, but you know, it's been, it's been very rewarding. You know, right now I help a couple people get sober. I mean, you, you can't, you can't beat that, man. It's, it's totally. just the best thing in the world. Yeah. Well, and even in the food game, not just even the alcohol game, it's like, you know, we're constantly as a society overweight, myself included. And then it's like the way that we reward ourselves in our society for dieting for a period of time is by eating terrible, which is like, so like counterintuitive. Um, so gosh, man, I'm loving this story. And just my curiosity is taking me in the direction of, okay, so you meet these two guys, you're taking action, you're getting coaching, you're recognizing the thing that's holding you back is the alcohol and you're able to rise up, start conquering it. Where does the story go from there? I mean, you know, yeah, so, so, so we start growing the company, uh, like 27 properties, seven States where, you know, like I'm doing my job. There starts being some rifting in the company, um, like his direction. He wanted to go the way that I wanted to go. And then money was, we didn't, we didn't have any money yet. I was bringing a ton of money on the back end. So where was it? So long story short, um, him and I didn't see eye to eye and, uh, he wrote me like a three page letter of like the things I needed to change in the next 60 days or I'd be out. And I read it in front of him and I looked at him dead in the face and I said, yeah, go fuck yourself. I said, I'm not doing any of this shit. And I walked away from 30 grand. I knew I was lighting it on fire the moment I did that, but I just had to be out. And um, this is a story I haven't shared that much. So I had burned the boats and I had left the restaurant business with no real way to figure out how I was gonna do that. Fast forward, two and a half months later. And then I just quit this company that I started and it was three days later. And I said, you know what? My old work, my old work is having uh, a two year anniversary. It would be nice to see everybody, you know, something I'm used to, like, I'm, you know, I'm kind of still beating myself up about the company. And so I go down to my work and I park the car and I'm walking into the facility because I used to run a big food hall and a big development. And I'm looking through the window because you can see through the window and I see all my old employees and my old coworkers and my old uh, staff. And as I reached for the door handle, a voice came into my head and said, that's not your life anymore. Put it away. And I let go of that <laughs> handle and I kind of was freaked out for a minute. And I turned around and I walked back. I got a phone call from a guy I haven't talked to in 10 years. He said, I'm running a private equity shop out of Austin. We lend money to investors. Would you want to come work for me? No way. What are the odds of that? I don't know. I hadn't talked to him in years. <laughs> and so I'm like, okay, well, I was literally, because I'm telling you right now, there was an outside chance that when I went back in that place, 
I was going to go back to what I was making 50 grand a year. So I said, look, dude, I'm, I'm leaving for Costa Rica in like two days. I, I can't start. He's like, dude, just take this class online. Start when you get back. And so I started that job. Absolutely hated it. Like it was me and the, me and the big boss did not see eye to eye. He wanted me to chase hundred thousand dollar loans. I only wanted to do a million and above. And like, they were just beating <laughs> on me, you know, beating on me. And my first deal was a mill five, a mill four. And I was like, everybody's going to shut up now. Like get off of me. I just fucking, you know, like it was a whole thing. But what happened was I took that job. I took that job. I took that job. And then March came, you know, March was COVID. And in the same week, I got laid off from that job and separated from my 13 year marriage. And then two weeks, two days later, I started a podcast. <laughs> and so it was like this like crazy timeline. And so I separated from her for 30 days, you know, just we separated and I got in the car. So I, I lived in San Antonio at the time. So San Antonio, for anybody that doesn't know, San Antonio is 70 miles south of Austin. So I got in the car to drive to Austin and I drove to California <laughs> and I just, I just drove and I went and saw friends and I just, I was me for like the first time in a long time, like didn't have to answer to work, you know, didn't have to answer to all those things. And then the podcast came out and that was wild. Cause I was like living that, like I was like literally living my divorce and like all that stuff. And then, um, I had a friend. Uh, he was like, Hey man, I really need some accountability. Uh, I'm going to pay you to coach me. And I was like, no, no, you're not. I was like, dude, I'm going to do that in five years when I'm ready. I don't want to do that right now. Thank you very much. Though. I was like, really appreciate that. Thank you though. Um, and he was like, no, no, no. I don't think you understand. I already put the money in your Venmo account, figure it out. I'll talk to you tomorrow. I was like, God damn it. <laughs> I was like, okay. And so I coached him and then my mentor, one of my mentors said, look, I'm really stuck right now. He's like, I need some help. I'm going to pay you to coach me. And I was like, no, you're not. I was like, dude, you do 30 deals a month and you're worth like a couple hundred million. No, I'm not talking to you. What, who am I? Get out of here. Like I'm dude. He's like, once again, the money's in your account. Shut up. I'll see you at this time on Monday. I'm like, Ugh. I'm like, okay, fine, whatever. So I'm in Florida and I am losing my mind by the way i've never told this story ever just so we're clear uh it's so funny i'm bringing it up and i'm Love losing it. my mind all morning all morning i'm like what? <laughs> what am i gonna talk to this guy about like he has six businesses and does like you know freaking 100 grand a month like it's water you know what am i gonna do oh why does he what no i don't want to do this there's so much pressure like i'm like i don't like this and i was like okay okay like psych yourself into it and so like boom we go into the session and like, he just talks for like 45 minutes and I'm like, you know, a little banter. And then like, I delivered this like line and he just stood back and he was like, it's exactly what I needed to hear. Thank you so much. And like gets off the call. And in that, in that moment, I realize he didn't hire me to run his business. He hired me to help him in his life. Interesting. And so it doesn't matter where you are. If you have insight, I have life experiences, divorced, you know, you know, one of my first clients I ever had, we get on the call for two seconds and he's like, Hey, I want to leave my wife. And I'm like, Whoa, <laughs> you know, and then like freaking out and you're like, wait, Oh wait, I went through divorce. I know, I know, I know this. And so 
most of my clients these days, you know, I either have two sets of clients, ones who are millionaires who are like, Hey, I'm super unhappy. Is this it? Where's my purpose? Where's my drive? Or I have young guys who are looking to go to the next level. And when I stopped, when I was just, let me see if I can get this right. I, as a coach can only be for you, what it is that you need in the moment. I can't be anything more than that. And so I can only give you what you're willing to see. And so what you're able to see too. Yeah. What you're able to see too. Right. And, 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 and a lot of this stuff, like, here's my quote. This is what I came up with. There are no business problems. There's only personal problems wrapped up in business. Hmm. It doesn't exist. Yeah. Your sales suck. It's because your communication sucks. It has nothing to do with your business. You feel like shit at work. Your health is terrible or your home life is not good. It's not business. Business is binary. Profit, loss, margin. It's all relative. Marketing is this, sales is that. When you as a person are optimized to the highest form of who you are, it radiates within your company. It radiates in your family. It radiates in all aspects of you. But what you're willing to do is very simple. You're not all in. You're not all into what you're doing. You're not all into who you are. You're not all into the belief that you have behind yourself. What I ask people to do is very simple. Suspend belief. Say, what would it look like? I, I do this workshop with people. This is a little trick. It's really fun. It's really fun. What would it look like? And I'll use Matt as an example. What would it look like if you went all in on your health for the next six months? I'm just using that as an example. Like, there's a lot of positives, right? You could think of like there's, I mean, you could probably name like five or six, right? Okay, great. So you have a ton of positives. You went all in. Name me the negatives. Yeah. Well, I'll, I mean, the neg I'll give you the answer. There are none. Right. And in, in, in 175 times doing that, there's never been a negative. So the question is, is that so you're not, not even truly... getting like people aren't going to say, well, in order to go on all my health, I'm going to have to work out an hour a day and I'm going to lose that time for business or. Nope. Nope. Cause that doesn't exist. It doesn't exist. It means that your priorities are out of whack. Yeah. Like half of the stuff we're doing is not a F yes on our schedule. As, as one of my, one of my older mentors would say, you have a lot of dirty yeses on your calendar. Interesting. Dirty. Yes. I, I like that analogy. So a couple of things that I, I want to point out too, I think are awesome is one of the lessons that, you know, I think your mentors showed you the ones that hired you as a mentor is that like everybody, regardless of where they're at, has something to share, has something to teach. Like, you know, even our negative situations in life, like divorce, tragedies, those types of things become a way of being able to help people through those situations. I know my parents got divorced when I was 17 and it was foundationally like it was a challenge, you know, but it, it became a thing that I could help other people who, you know, they were parents were going through divorce. So we still have so much of your story left to get to. And so I can sense this is where your life's turning around. People are trusting you as a mentorship. You're running a podcast. You're making huge connections. Things are going crazy. Take us really quickly from what what's happening now to like you're doing potentially five to seven million dollar deals. You're buying businesses. We haven't even gotten to and I, but I want to touch on it because it's important. We haven't even gotten to you traveling around the world in a you know as an RV or or whatnot. So I'll, I'll frame it. I'll frame it this way. Um, so we could try and tie it together. So the question we like to ask is if you had a billion dollars in the bank and a hundred lifetimes of cash flow, like what would you, what would your definition of freedom look like? So if you'll already, answer that, that yeah, question, 
I already know yeah. it. And it's, it's the why behind everything that you see right now, what you experienced in school and what I experienced in school. The, like I told the, I told the owner yesterday that we signed on this business. I don't have to do this. I don't have to buy these companies. I don't have to scale up the real estate. I could have a six figure career coaching four days a month. I don't have to do anything. What we're going to do is launch an entrepreneurship school. That's what we're going to do. And I'm going to invest in their businesses. You, you want to learn marketing. You're going to learn from a guy that ran a marketing company and made billions. You're not going to learn from some terrible professor that hasn't lived a life at all and sat in a classroom. We're creating an entrepreneurship school. When I'm 50 years old, it's all I'm going to do along with advising and other stuff like that. So that's the why. What I realized hit me yesterday. The reason I was going in and out of inspiration is because the mountain I was climbing wasn't big enough. <laughs> Real estate, I'm like, this is it. Like you get you get to buy a three two, and like do a couple remodels, and you have to wait for your hundred dollar cash flow. Like put me to bed. And so what I realized is you might not be bored. You might just be uninspired. And maybe the challenges that you're seeking aren't big enough. You know what I like about bike racing or like bike riding? You can't win ever, ever. It's always better. You could do quicker, faster, better. You could you could be more rested. It's the same way I view business. You're 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 thinking you're going to get to a point, like a thing. And that's going to be it. Like, or you could just go higher. And what I've realized in a short amount of time is the amount of effort it takes to do small deals. It takes just as much effort. If I told you right now, and this is true because I've lived it the last 90 days, you know, it's nine times easier for me to get a $15 million deal funded than it is a million dollar deal. I mean, like not even close how much easier it is. And when you understand that, you know, I heard something Brandon Turner that was super, super smart. This is a trick you can do with yourself. When he's underwriting a deal, he just takes out a zero because then the mind doesn't freak out. He's like, oh, 70 million? No, it's only seven, <laughs> it's only seven million. There you and go. he's like, wait, oh, it's 70 million. But he doesn't really care. It's not, and, and so when you do that, and then, and then understanding that when you learn something new or you do something you haven't done before, there's no going backwards. When you break through the ceiling, there's no going backwards. And so I think there's three terms of how you make money. I think there's short-term money to keep your mind positive and happy and comfortable. I think there's long-term investing strategies, businesses, Airbnb, cash flow assets, multifamily. And then I think there's wealth creation. And wealth creation comes from investing in businesses, funds, uh, longer-term deals, you know, long-term multifamily, getting 10X multipliers. I think there's three different, and when you have those things symbiotically flowing and your money is dancing, because here's what they don't talk about ever in real estate. Do you want to know how hard it is to be positive as a multifamily investor when you haven't done a deal in a year and a half? And so the question is, it's really hard and you get down and you don't want to look and you want to do it. So the question is, is where's your short-term wins coming from? You know, even mm -hmm. if you're making 500 bucks, at least it's coming in instead of coming out all the time. And you don't know how much better you'll operate from that emotional plateau that's rooted in something more firm than being wishy-washy. People aren't paying attention to their emotions. Their emotions are driving most of the things. So you have to set yourself up for success. Uh, I want to leave you with this. It's a really good uh, thing for any married couples out there. This guy I follow who's super, uh, super dialed in. He knew when he started entrepreneurship that it was very up and down, very up and down. Mm -hmm. uh, I think he's worth like 300 million now. He knew that his wife's number one need was security. 
And so he found out what they needed every month to live on that would make her happy. And he created a joint account. And no matter if he had a $100,000 a month or he lost 30000 he put the same amount in. She never asked about the other accounts until it mattered. And he goes, I knew what we were doing, but I knew for her that when she saw it every month and it was going in, she wouldn't feel unstable. So the family would be in a good mood. You have to do that with yourself. Gosh, this is incredible. Um, I know so many people personally that they are driven, inspired, et cetera, but their, their spouses have all these nerves about what they're doing. And that is such a gold piece of advice to be able to essentially just auto deposit the same amount because most of these spouses, they're not like checking the bank accounts all the time and they certainly wouldn't be checking the business bank accounts. So if they just had enough reserves to where every month, irrespective of wins and losses, they could put the same amount of money in. Gosh, that's gold. And I really, really love your quote might not be bored. It just might be uninspired. Okay. So I have this theory I want to run by you. So, in my mind, because to, to really make an impact in the world and to truly provide value, my opinion is you have to be good, you have to have a growth mindset, and be consistent. And I think it's really hard to have both. Like You have people that are really good at being consistent, but they're not thinking outside the box to continually get insanely better. And then you have people that are always thinking of new ideas that have a hard time being consistent. I feel like those personality types are usually at odds. And so to find someone that does both is incredibly rare. And so my take on this, and I want to get your take on it, is the only way that I can perceive of someone doing this is when the goal is absolutely humongous, right? So they're inspired, but then there's also alignment between somebody's heart, like the, the there's actually a heartfelt mission behind it, and between the, mon the money's got to be there so that like the mind, the heart, the body, like the soul, like all of it has to align. Like what's your take on what does it take for somebody to truly be able to pursue something that like transcends all of their weaknesses. You have to, especially as an entrepreneur or even investor, you have to, it's a list of what you're willing to not do, not what you will do. Meaning there's a lot of things that we will do, but let's talk about what we're not going to do. That's the problem is when you create yeah. the mindset that's unstoppable, the opportunities fall from the skies and you have too many things going on. You're running around like a squirrel. You got to get yeah. super singular focused and then create the momentum because understand that the only reason why I became an alcoholic is because I broke 900 freaking promises I made to myself. So when I did mm -hmm. 75 hard for the first time, I did it for 150 days straight because I was just like, oh, wow. you know what? I'm going to create a new me. And then I never went back to that old me. And so the consistency is everything, but also attaching, just like you said, attaching your thing to a North Star is everything. So I would love to continue this conversation, but I have a call in like one minute. Um, oh, cool. Yeah, that's so, cool, man. We'll wrap it up. So yeah. Austin, man, I mean, it's been an absolute pleasure. Um, if the audience wanted to reach out to you, what would be the best way for them to do so? Yeah, so go on austinlinney.com, L-I-N-N-E-Y. Uh, hit me up there. Hit me up on Instagram, Austin Linney. Uh, happy to answer any questions or support anybody that's, that needs anything. Absolutely perfect. All right, to those of you out there chasing freedom, freedom is acquired one action at a time. So please commit to taking at least one action and tell somebody to know that can hold you responsible. And before you know it, you too will be living a life of freedom. So thank you for tuning in and we'll catch you on the next one.
Please like, comment, share, and subscribe. Engagement is like gold to us. We can't do what we're doing without it. Reviews and subscriptions, particularly on Apple, Spotify, and YouTube, are worth more than money. So please do what you can to support the show. 